This is Devin Peacock in with you on London Live. Uh, Mike Stubbs will be back with you on Monday. I want to go back to something we were talking about the other day, which is cell phone use. Uh, you know the story. Provincial government wants to ban cell phones in the classroom. Education Minister Lisa Thompson has said it's an effort to help students focus on learning. The Thames Valley District School Board has said they're fine with the ban so long as it doesn't interfere with teaching in the classroom. They already have policies similar to this already. And what the province wants to do is similar to this. So as long as that doesn't change it, they're fine with the ban. Uh, the directive hasn't gone out yet, still isn't official. The government has talked about it. Uh, but they haven't put it through uh, the uh, normal workings of government. When it is passed, it's likely there will be some exceptions. So if teachers do want to use a cell phone in class as part of a lesson, that will be allowed. If it's needed for medical reasons, that's allowed. Uh, If it's needed for students with special needs, that would be allowed. So it's not a full ban, but, you know, a a ban with, I think, reasonable exceptions. Uh, That's the general story. I want to broaden this beyond just what happens in the classroom and talk about cell phone use, smartphone use in general. We are joined by Carl Honoré. He's an expert on this. He's a speaker and he is a best-selling author. His new book, actually, uh, Boulder, uh, Making the Most of Our Longer Lives, just came out in Canada last week. He joins us on the line now. Thanks for your time today. Good to be with you. I'm really interested in uh, smartphones and how we use them. I personally, at night, have tried to put mine away about an hour before I want to go to sleep just because if it's beside you all the time, you're checking it. And what we've seen about smartphones is true. We are either addicted to them or we just can't stop checking about checking them, and it does affect our sleep patterns. So I, I wonder, do you think we're becoming a bit more aware of the impact our smartphones are having on our lives? I think definitely. It seems to me that whenever a new technology comes along, we we tend to go overboard with it at the start, and we're not quite sure how to use it wisely. And and I think now we're just getting to that tipping point where we're realizing that there are a lot of wonderful things about smartphones, but they also have some drawbacks if you if you misuse them. And so we're starting, I think, just now to see that conversation beginning where people are looking to create new social rules, new protocols, new new ways of handling phones that we, so that we get the most out of them, so that we're not slaves to the gadgets, but that the gadgets become really, really useful tools for us instead. If we are addicted to them in, in some way, is that something you think can be broken or has become just so much more sophisticated? Does that become just so difficult? It is difficult. There's no way around it. Uh, addiction is a big word to use, but I think it's an accurate one in this case. There's something... There's a kind of existential addiction we get to, to um, smartphones. We just are, you know, the whole FOMO thing, we're afraid of missing out and all the excitement that comes with that. But they've also done research that shows that we even have a kind of chemical biological addiction. They took away smartphones from some university students in Germany a little while ago and then wired them up to see what kind of reaction they had to it. And they had exactly the same reaction as heroin addicts have when you take away their fix. So we're, we are addicted at almost like a cellular level at the moment, which means it will be difficult, but it's not impossible. And in fact, wherever you go around the world, and I do a lot of this kind of work, you, you, can, you can wean people off, right, with small steps, switching off, carving out moments when you're not on, creating spaces where you don't have gadgets, and gradually pull yourself away from that addiction. It can, it can be done, but like overcoming any addiction, it's not, uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world. 
In your travels, do you see people use smartphones differently, or are we all kind of uh, attached to them in, in the same way all around the globe? Well, I, I do a lot of international travel for my work, and I feel like I see the same use pretty much everywhere. People unable to have conversations or distracted when they're supposed to be chatting to a colleague or a friend or a, or a child. Uh, over meals, you know, you see the phones all lined up on the table like, um, you know, six shooters in a saloon bar in the Wild West. People, I think, wherever you go, the use of smartphones is not, doesn't, doesn't seem to vary that much. We're all kind of in the same place at the moment. But by the same token, I think we're all having the same backlash against it. We're having the same rethink that's going on as people look for new ways to to build a better, healthier relationship with their gadgets. And one new social ritual that's emerged that I like very much that shows that the the tectonic plates are shifting a little bit is this this practice called stacking. I live in London, England, but you you see it a lot here. See it in New York. I'm 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 not sure I'm not sure I've seen it in Canada, but um, you certainly find it around the world and other places. And what it is is this: is when younger people, this tends to be something that younger people do. So, when teenagers and twenty somethings go out for a coffee or sushi or whatever, they're sitting around the table. Everybody piles their phone up in the middle of the table in a stack, and whoever grabs their phone first during that meeting to look at Instagram or send a tweet pays the bill for everybody around wow. the table, right? And it's just a nifty way of saying, you know, we have this moment here together. We'll never have this moment again. Why spoil it by trying to be in several other moments at the same time? And I think the fact that that ritual stacking is bubbling up from, from below, it's, it's the digital native generation who've come to that conclusion. It's not being imposed by, you know, burned out baby boomers who didn't grow up with screens. It's, it's being, you know, brought into, into practice by people who grew up around this stuff. And I think that shows that there are certain limits to what the human body and mind can cope with when it comes to technological and electronic distraction. We're kind of bumping up against those limits now, and as a result of that, we are all, at every generation, looking for new ways to to be in the world with our, our smartphones. I haven't seen that here. I might try and start it here. It sounds like a good idea to, to stack. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this is uh, here in Ontario, uh, the provincial government's looking at banning cell phones in classrooms. The reason for it is not kind of what we're talking about. They're more looking at, you know, the social parts of it all and just making sure kids are just paying attention in classroom. But what I do wonder, though, is if maybe an, an unintended benefit could be there's some, you know, learned uh, habits that could come from, you know, there are times in the day where you just have to put your smartphone away. Yeah, and that's a useful practice, I think, for all of us to cultivate. And, and I think it's very hopeful to, to hear, you know, uh, governments in Canada looking at starting young, because the younger we start to retrain ourselves, the easier it's going to be in later life to have a disciplined approach to, to the gadgets. And, you know, Canada is not alone in having those those conversations, I think, I mean, France has either done it or very recently thinking of banning cell phone use in classes um, throughout the educational system. And wherever you go around the world, you find, especially in pr- the private schools where they have control, more control maybe than the state system, they are clamping down on, on cell phone use. So I've just been in Silicon Valley doing a lot of speaking and working with you know, parents who, who actually work in these tech companies, you know, Google, Microsoft, Apple, and so on. And what you're finding in those families is that what they're doing is holding back the technology from their children. So they're keeping them away from tablets, 
phones and all that stuff as late as possible. And in fact, what you find when a, a, a nanny goes for an interview now at one of these Silicon Valley families, the very first question that often comes up from the parents is, what are you going to do to keep my kid off screens, right? And then you see the same thing reflected in schools. So I went to a few schools in that Silicon Valley channel where, you know, you know a lot of wealthy, affluent families, people who understand how tech works, people who work in tech, and you find a lot of these schools just banning cell phone use altogether in the classroom and even in the schoolyard, you know, saying to parents, when you come and pick up your little girl, your little boy, you know, leave your phone in the pocket or in the car. Just come here and be fully present. And so these are parts, I think they're kind of, this is a weather vane showing that the, uh, the, 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 winds, are, the winds of change are blowing in, in a hopeful way. We are joined on the line by Carl Honore, best-selling author of Boulder, Making the Most of Our Longer Lives. When you talk to people from Silicon Valley, um, do you detect any, it's not regret, but any sort, like, because they certainly seem to uh, recognize how important it is just to put your phone down. Uh, any sense of, well, maybe uh, we've been almost too successful at making these devices? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, usually off the record, you hear that kind of regrets and a little maybe a whiff of, of guilt. And in fact, what we've seen in public is you've seen some of these former executives from Facebook and, and some of the social media giants coming out almost as apostates and saying, you know what, we made these gadgets way too addictive. I've, we've seen the damages doing in our own homes, and we're now going to you know, make this case publicly. So they've set up you know, institutes and organizations and are now lobbying for the tech companies to rejig their algorithms and change their interfaces and so on so that the gadgets are less addictive to people. And one of the things, the arguments they often made is, you know, we see our own kids, we see what's happening in our own homes, and and we feel bad about it. Um, Of course, that's a minority who are doing that publicly and actually taking steps. But definitely, I mean, I I was just blown away by how many people will tell you quietly that, you know, they feel a little bit uneasy about that disconnect, that, that paradox that, you know, go to work every day trying to make the smartphones as alluring as possible to boost the bottom line of the company, but then coming home and, you know, being a, taking a more kind of, you know, switch-off draconian approach in their own home. So, that, that again, that shows, I think, what I was saying earlier, that we are bumping up against the limits of what the technology can do for us and w- what it can do against us. And, um, you know, change, change is coming. And if, it's, if you see it in Silicon Valley, that's often the vanguard. That's the spearhead. That's the, the canary in the coal mine, perhaps. Change, change doesn't also mean, you know, anti-technology. It's, uh, you know, I, I love my smartphone. Uh, I've got my iPad. I use them often. Um, they're extremely useful. They're, they're good at what they do. It's just if we're not at our best, then we can't maximize those tools. Exactly. I, I'm not a Luddite. You know, I love tech, and I've got a smartphone, and, and, and I, couldn't, I could not live without it. And it brings me a lot of joy, and it helps me a lot in my work. But all of those gadgets have a little bed button somewhere that means off, right? And it's there for a reason. And I think that's what this conversation is, is about now. It's about saying, you know, when are you going to be off, and when are you going to be on? And, and moving away from this notion that being always on is the best way to get the most out of your technology, because it's clearly not. It's taking a toll on so many aspects of our, our lives. You hinted earlier about the, um, the damage it does to our ability to sleep. I mean, there's a lot of research showing that it's making it harder for people to sleep, especially if they are looking at that blue screen, you know, minutes before trying to, even before turning the light off and going to, to bed. It's getting in the way of relationships. People feel distracted. They don't feel listened to in the way that 
it was easier to do before we all were carrying around this weapon of mass distraction in our pocket. And, and even it's taking off um, IQ points. Some research from Hewlett-Packard a little while ago showed that the constant barrage of electronic interruptions and distractions knocks 10 points off our IQ, and 10 points is a lot. It's double the effect of smoking marijuana. So we've swallowed this idea that being always on and being the person who gets back to every message instantly or picks up every phone call in the first ring is going to turn us into an uber-productive master of the universe, when in fact what it does is turn you into Cheech and Chong, yeah? which, which isn't, isn't that useful in most workplaces or classrooms. So it's really all about balance, I think. And that's what this, these new institutes and, uh, that are coming out and looking at how we can make the most of these gadgets, that's what they're all about. They're not about throwing out your iPhone or getting rid of your Samsung. They're about saying, when can you switch off and when can you switch on? When can you be fully present and when can you be surfing the net and you know, finding yourself in other moments, in other parts of the world. And it's, it's finding that, um, that equilibrium. My, my two favorite words these days are airplane mode, right? <laughs> I, love my, I love my gadgets. And, of course, no man is an island, right? Uh, you, you cannot, when it comes to the tech, you cannot, or I think ought not, to declare unilateral you know, switch off. You've got, because we're all so connected, you need to explain to other people why you're switching off, when you're switching off, and, and, and make it, something that everybody is aware of and rather than just suddenly pulling the plug because that can end badly in the workplace or even socially. I think we all need to start having this chat together amongst ourselves about when, when to turn off and, um, and when not to. And, and once you do that, you realize that you, I love my smartphone a lot more now uh, than I did when I was constantly looking at it. It's an interesting conversation, Carl. I appreciate you uh, having with me today. Thank you very much. Thanks. It's been a pleasure. That's Carl Honore, best-selling author of Boulder, Making the Most of Our Longer Lives. The book just came out in London earlier uh, this month. We need to break. When we come back, we'll have more of London Live. This is Devin Peacock in for Mike Stubbs on 980 CFPL.